0: Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one Joined, as always, to talk the latest news, including whether or not the Patriots mascot is on life support, with the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Daryl Slater. Daryl, what's going on, man? Not too much. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to have you, sir. And as you could tell from my intro there, I wanted to start off with this Patriots mascot stuff. I talked to Chris Nimbley about this last week after it seemed like it was all a work, as they would say in pro wrestling terminology. Then there were reports that the guy actually is hurt. What is the story here? Because I'm confused. It still seems like a pro wrestling angle to me, but you tell me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seemed like that all along, um, initially from when uh, the Pro Bowl skills challenge event happened on Wednesday. And, uh, you watched you watched the video of like the tackle. I mean, Jamal Adams didn't hit the Patriot mascot, uh, Pat the Patriot, which is a great mascot name, didn't hit him <laughs> really hard at all. And it looked like at the last minute, like it looked like they cut the video so that the, the guy knew, you know, that maybe they went over to him and said, here's what we're going to do. And, you could see the mascot turning at the last minute. And uh, the way they cut the video made it seem like, you know, it was totally staged. So whatever, you know, it was kind of a dumb thing and figured, you know, this is probably just Jamal Adams having fun, which he likes to do. And then, you know, maybe the NFL, I think the NFL put put it out there or Sports Center put it out there, whatever. Uh, so you figure it's like, you know, the Pro Bowl and the NFL are fine, but it's free publicity for a game that, uh, you know, was kind of a ho-hum thing anyway. So turns out, you know, I mean, then then the thing comes out that he was hospitalized, which, okay, well, then I thought, like, oh, this is kind of another, uh, good, this is kind of an interesting job of the NFL to promote the game. You know, they're keeping some interest in this game and maybe they'll pay it off on Sunday by having the mascot, like, tackle Jamal Adams on the sideline. Which I think, I still think would have been a cool thing for them to do, but, <laughs> um, uh, you know, to pay off the gag or whatever. But, it, apparently it wasn't it wasn't a gag. He was not hospitalized. The Patriots said he wasn't hospitalized. And if you watched a couple of the, you watch the one interview Jamal Adams did with uh, the ESPN. It, he, I don't know if he thought it was real either because at the end of that interview, it, he was like, "Do I regret doing it?" And He's like, "No," and he was all like laughing about it. So I couldn't tell if he maybe was in on it, or uh, or maybe someone maybe someone was trying to like prank him and say like, "Oh, the guy was hospitalized," and and he didn't believe the, the prank or whatever. But anyway, it turned out that um, he was not hospitalized, but the guy did get whether he was in on it or not. Whether he—I don't think we know yet whether the mascot knew knew or not that that, that hit was going to happen. But even though it wasn't a hard hit, it, it did result in some soreness around his neck, and I guess he got whiplashed a little bit, and um, and he saw some treatment. The Patriots said he saw treatment from the trainers on site there on, on at the Pro Bowl thing on Wednesday, and uh, and he was. <laughs> and he was even checked for a concussion apparently and he was still sore as of Monday uh that was the word so uh i it was real i mean it, it was a real thing that happened i don't know whether the the mascot was uh made aware before it happened and then he just fell awkwardly or what but uh i would think that look yeah i mean jamal Adams is just trying to have fun but like hope i would hope uh, and I don't know, but like, if you're gonna be smart about doing something like that, you should like, let the guy know and say like, here's what I'm gonna do, is it cool? And then if the guy gets, and if the guy's just fine and he gets, and he gets falls weird, that, that, that's okay, he agreed to it. But like, you can't, <laughs> like I know he was just trying to have fun, but like, like I think he has to understand, like, you know, you're a 200 and something town NFL player, like, if, if he's just hit the guy surprisingly, even in a joking manner, like, you gotta be more careful than that. Right. I mean, like, especially when you're talking about, you know, someone in some just guy in a mascot costume who's not jacked like an NFL player and built to take hits. Like, I don't know. Um, Look, I mean, Jamal Adams has a lot of enthusiasm and I'm sure he I, I know he didn't mean any ill intent, but sometimes, you know, it pays to be a little more cautious you know and think before you do something like that. Now, I don't know. Maybe maybe they prearranged it in in advance uh that the hit would happen. But that's what they should have done. If he wanted to do it and have fun for the video, he should have gone over to the guy and said and maybe he did do this and said like, "Hey, like is it cool if I do this for the for a video for fun?" Uh and that would have, that would have cleared it and um whatever. Maybe he did do that, I don't know, but uh looks like the mascot will be at the game. I suppose they could always put somebody else in in uh in the costume for the super bowl but uh... but it sounds like pat the patriot whether it's the guy who was at the pro bowl or somebody else will definitely be at the super bowl Um you'd think that that <laughs> that's an event the patriots would like to have their mascot at so That's that. And Jamal Adams is down in Atlanta, too, for the Super Bowl doing, you know, the usual promotional publicity stuff that that prominent players do down there during Super Bowl week.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted
0: Breaking news, Daryl. I was offered the role of being the Patriots mascot at the Super Bowl, and I had to turn it down. I've got other things to do. And quite frankly, I'd rather be able to focus on watching the game than having to entertain the crowd. So I had to take a pass on that one. (laughs) But I will say this. How it seems to me, and I could be wrong, it looks like, and again, this is where I think people would benefit from watching pro wrestling because then they could see things from a different perspective. I think that they probably put this together as a way to get attention for the Pro Bowl, but maybe something went wrong where he landed poorly or something like that because this is what happens with stunts, and this is what happens even in pro wrestling. Even when you do something that's planned in advance, sometimes things happen because that's just the nature of physical activity. And so if he was hurt, I suspect that it was an accident and it was something that was prearranged and it wasn't meant for him to be hurt. Obviously, there's only a handful of people that would know the answer to that, and they probably won't talk about it if it was something that was coordinated, but this could end up being like one of those Andy Kaufman, Jerry the King Lawler kind of things (laughs) where everybody thinks it was real, and then many years later, we find out definitively that it actually was all an elaborate work. And by the way, shout out to my buddy Sean Reedy, who's a listener to this program and also the co-host of Booking Memphis with Jerry Jarrett, who was the promoter in Memphis. When that Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman thing went down. So a little tie-in there. And if you're a wrestling fan, you should be listening to that podcast. But you should also be listening to this podcast because not only are we bringing you news about the Patriots mascot, we're also bringing you news about the guy who allegedly injured the Patriots mascot, Jamal Adams, I think it's a positive sign that he was excited to win Pro Bowl MVP. I realize that it doesn't mean anything, but still it's nice to have a guy on this team who's a leader, who's a great player, and somebody who takes pride in his performance, even when that performance really, let's be honest, doesn't matter at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, he took the game seriously and, I think, I, I think that they should, they should have some kind of stage thing down in Atlanta for the Super Bowl where the Patriots mascot, like clubs his leg or something, Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan style. Let's, let's, let's like pay it off and make it funny. Like, and, you know, if it was a prearranged thing, maybe the guy, maybe the guy's mad in the costume that he hit him harder than he expected. But anyway, I think, yeah, look, Jamal Adams has been in the spotlight here, whether it's for that, whether it's for being down to Super Bowl and talking about you know, the Jets future here and making his rounds on Radio Row or whether it's the Pro Bowl, if anyone watched it or whatever, Um and he, I, I didn't watch it, but I uh, obviously saw how he did and he did well. You know, he tried and he did well and he's a, he's a full effort guy and he and Patrick Mahomes won the, won the MVPs and there are a couple guys there who are the future of the NFL in terms of one of the better defensive players and, and one of the better offensive players who could be around for years to come. So, uh, I think the Jets would love it if they had. A lot more players like Jabal Adams in terms of not only enthusiasm, but skill level. Uh, but, look, I mean, Ed, the reality is Mike McKagan has not drafted a lot of Jabal Adamses. So um, I think, yeah, it, you know, he, he'll be an important part of this team in terms of leadership, and already has been um, under Adam Gase and, uh, you know, carrying this thing forward and seeing what the Jets can do in 2019.
0: No question, and they were able to get Jamal Adams as a top six pick in the NFL draft, and they're going to be picking in the top six again this year, Daryl. In fact, they're going to be picking all the way up at number three. So there is the opportunity to get somebody as talented as Jamal Adams. Will they do it? Well, part of that is going to depend on who's on the board. And part of that will depend on whether or not some of these quarterbacks shoot up the board. The Senior Bowl is in the books. And we heard some reports that Daniel Jones had an up-and-down week. But he did end up winning the MVP of the Senior Bowl. Also had Drew Locke, who apparently impressed some scouts. So, Daryl, do you think there's a chance that some of these quarterbacks, based on the Senior Bowl and now heading into the combines and the scouting process, could leapfrog the Jets into number one and number two territory? And they either end up with an attractive trade down offer, or somebody like Nick Bosa slides down to them, who would be to me a perfect addition with Jamal Adams on that defense.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's certainly possible. I think if you look at not only. Uh Jones and Locke, but also uh Dwayne Haskins could be a coveted quarterback. Kyler Murray obviously uh Justin Herbert is staying in school uh at at Oregon but I think you know with Arizona one, San Francisco two, the Jets three, Oakland and then Tampa, uh, it's the top 5 and then then you get to, to the two teams that could definitely pick a quarterback, Giants at six and Jaguars at seven. So could it be a situation where either of those teams decides to do what the jets did last year and move up to the point that the other team can't move up so i I don't know if I don't know if Arizona would be shopping the first pick or San Francisco the second um, you know those those teams would be you know maybe wise to go with best player available if that's nick bosa um so i don't I don't know if it's a situation where a team could trade to one or two and result in uh bosa dropping to the jets more so than potentially a team trading with the jets. Uh, to go to three, if the Giants want to go from six to three, or the Jaguars from seven to three, in order to put some distance between themselves and and that other team, um, that other quarterback needy team there, be it the Giants or or the Jaguars, vice versa, um, then then maybe the Jets could pick up a second rounder in that in that deal and and help kind of bolster their roster. I think the Jets should be, uh, if they think that Bosa is going to be off the board at, at one or two, and they're not able to get a, and they are able to get a a, a legitimate edge rusher in. In free agency, uh, which is a big if, uh, then I think that they should be list, certainly listening to offers to trade down. Um, it would only be smart, and it would give them a chance uh, to get another, get a second round pick, get get their second round pick back, and um, and and a second round pick at, at the at the higher portion of of that second round too, if they're trading with a team like the Jaguars or, or the Giants. So, um, yeah, I think the Jets certainly listen to offers to trade down. I don't know if a team is going to go above them. And, uh, but I guess we'll see how Murray and, um, and, uh, Dwayne Haskins do with the combine that'll, that'll have a, a big role in determining just like what the top of this quarterback class looks like.
0: Daryl, you did some great work this week, writing some pieces over at NJ.com. And one of them was all about the salary cap situation with the jets. A lot of people talk about how they're going to have a hundred million dollars in cap space, but according to what you wrote, it's not really that cut and dry.
1: No, I mean, right now the jets are at at ninety three point eight million dollars in cap space based on a hundred ninety million dollar cap estimate per per team so that one ninety could change it's going to be the league has said it's going to be basically between one eighty eight and one ninety one so over the cap dot com is a great site for this this stuff and they uh they hash out all the cap numbers, but right now the jets are at ninety three million dollars and you know one thing to remember is you know, they, they already have in Innos contract on the books. Number one and number two, they uh they had to retroactively count some of his contracts for for 2018 because they gave him that nine million dollars signing bonus and they spread it over five years for cap purposes. So that just basically lessened, lowered the cap carryover. Like so, if the Jets had, for argument's sake, uh just just when these aren't the real numbers, to so say they had like 20 million dollars in cap space to end the season. And the prorated Besani bonus for a player that retroactively counted was two million. Well, that means they can only carry eighteen million forward, not the full twenty. It's pretty basic stuff, but uh, but yeah, there are certainly there are other things the Jets are going to have to commit their money to. They're going to have to figure out know, what they're going to do with Roddy Anderson. They're going to have to pay their draft picks. And if you you know if you that's that's something that people forget. If you look at the rookie pool estimate for the Jets, the Jets, that's nine million dollars. They they have a nine million dollar rookie pool estimate in terms of what they're going to have to pay their draft picks. Um in terms of twenty, in terms of twenty nineteen cap hits, but um but yeah, so they'll still have a considerable amount of money, but not as much as as you initially looked at and thought. If you look at what they could do to get more cap space, they certainly could do some some things in terms of trading Leonard Williams, that would free up fourteen million dollars, and then they have some little things along the way, some smaller things in terms of guys who could be gone, Isaiah Crowell, Spencer Long, and there's a full rundown up there of like what what each of those moves would uh would give the Jets in terms of creating cap space. So uh it's a flexible number, that's for sure.
0: Darrell, you wrote about AJ Green and Antonio Brown as possible trade options for the New York Jets in the offseason this week at NJ dot com. We talked about Antonio Brown in our last podcast last week. What about AJ Green? What do you think about that possibility?
1: I think I mean that would certainly be if the Bengals are willing to trade him and the, there's no guarantees that they are, uh you know that might be a better option for the Jets, you're talking about a guy who is not a disruptive presence like Brown, maybe he's probably not as good as Antonio Brown right now, they're about the same age, um, he has one year left in his contract in 2019, and the Jets would not be get committed to him for as long, you know, they wouldn't be giving up as, as much either, he would get he would come cheaper, and uh, and they could just not really, it wouldn't be the same as the Brandon Marshall situation, because Brandon Marshall I think had two years left in his contract when the Jets traded for him, but one of them was not guaranteed. So I think if you look at the AJ green thing, um, I think it could be, uh, it could be a good fit for the Jets. It could give them a guy who's a number one receiver for a year. And, um, and they could go from there in terms of what they want to do in the following year for agency and the draft in terms of getting a longer-term number one receiver. But they need to give Sam Darnold more weapons. There's no doubt about that. And Adam Gase, I'm sure, knows that as he looks at the personnel. Hey, guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
0: Daryl, now I have to pick on you a little bit based on a piece that you wrote ranking the Jets' first-round picks throughout history. As you know, I do play like a Jet, which is a history show, so we go back through all of New York Jets' history, including the seasons, the games, all the big moments. So unfortunately for me, because it's in a lot of ways scarred me for life, I know a lot more about this stuff than the average bear. You ranked Johnny Lamb Jones as the number one worst pick of all the first rounders let's start with that first of all no you're wrong sorry i understand your argument daryl that they had to trade up to get that pick but johnny lamb jones at least had his moments he wasn't anything special but he produced a little bit here and there and he actually had some important catches at points and vernon golston even though they didn't trade up for him he is easily the worst pick in franchise history and he may be one of the worst picks in the history of the nfl so i don't want to pick on you but try to explain yourself to me please because that one jumped right out at me i was reading that article and i'm like what is daryl talking about
1: well i mean i i this is sort of a combination of a couple things that i did last year i did a two separate lists of like the worst top 10 picks and then the best top 10 picks two separate little listicles i guess but uh and then there were a bunch of guys who weren't included either because they were kind of just, they just were okay. Um, and so I consulted a couple guys who had been, uh, long time Jet fans, Ira from Staten Island, and a gentleman named, uh, Jeff Sakaitis, uh, who lives in, uh, I think the Philly area. Uh, and I know him through, uh, uh Dom Costantino who used to, uh, cover the Jets. So, I reached out to those guys and, and kind of gave them a little bit of a rough list and say like here's what I think of these top ten you know the worst and the best top ten picks in terms of guys who were picking the top ten and they came back and they said here's what well, you know here's what we think and um, so that's where I, I, I based a lot of it on, on that you know a couple guys who have been following the Jets for a while and I think that I don't have the uh, initial email still but uh, those guys that's where I kind of got the uh, the uh the impression there that, that Johnny Lamb Jones was the worst pick is they, you know, they traded up for him. I think, a, I don't know whether it was Ira or Jeff who was um, talking about that and raised that point about, you know, I think I know I do, that they had traded up for him. Um, but then when you go back and look at what they gave up for him, um, I think that was the point that those guys raised that, that was their argument for why uh he was the worst pick. And I kind of just piggybacked off of that. So you could certainly hear an argument for Vernon to being number one. And I, Look, I think it's uh you know, it's totally reasonable to put him number 1, but uh that's sort of what I based it on. talking to those guys. I I wasn't around to watch either of those guys uh, um so I don't I don't I don't I don't know, but I mean certainly if you look at the numbers, Golston had worse numbers than Jones. So, if from that perspective, Jones was more productive, but um but I guess those guys felt that uh the trait from the perspective of giving up picks to move up for this guy uh that ding that dinged them in in their eyes.
0: Yeah, listen, obviously Johnny Lamb Jones was expected to be a star just based on his speed, and unfortunately, he was a case of a guy that had all the physical tools, but just didn't have it in him to be a great football player. I talked to Jets legend Wesley Walker about this, and he's convinced to this day that if lamb jones had had the proper coaching he might have been able to become a star wide receiver but regardless it is what it is but here are some interesting stats about lamb jones he averaged 19 yards to catch 17 yards to catch 16 yards to catch 17 yards to catch 14 yards a catch, and then overall almost 17 yards a catch for his career. Now, he only was a starter for a full season three out of the five years that he was in the league. And being in the league five years is bad enough for a guy picked that high. And being a starter for three of those five is really not anything to write home about. But again, you're talking about a guy that did at least produce some valuable results from time to time, especially in the 81 and 82 seasons when the Jets were actually good as opposed to Vernon Golston, who literally didn't do anything. He didn't even have a one sack the whole time that he was on the Jets. So that's where I'm coming from. So, Ira, I love you. I respect you. I think that you obviously have plenty of credit as a Jets fan, but you're dead wrong on this one. I'm sorry, buddy.
1: might have been, Jeff. It was like a year ago that I put this list together. So I don't know whether which one of those guys it was. So I don't know if it was Ira who was insistent on Lamb Jones. It might have been Jeff. Psychitis, who's like another, um, you know, he doesn't call into, you know, he's not as prominent as Ira, so you guys might not know Jeff, but he knows a ton about the Jets. So, uh, look, I mean, maybe I'll redo it when I do the list the next time. Uh, we're certainly not adverse <laughs> to redoing these, these listicles, so.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm not actually angry about it, Daryl. I'm just pushing your buttons a little bit. And the other one that I <laughs> wanted to mess with you on a little bit was the fact that you ranked Richard Todd as one of the worst and Mark Sanchez somewhere in the middle. Now, Richard Todd, to me was not a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination erratic is putting it kindly with him a lot of times he had a penchant for turnovers in fact one of the biggest games that he ever played in that playoff game in 1981 against the buffalo bills he threw five interceptions so this is a guy that for a lot of his career was a turnover machine but so was mark sanchez and if you look at the results. Todd was the starter for longer. You could argue he had more productive years as a starter than Sanchez. And on top of that, they had very similar success levels. I know Sanchez went to the AFC Championship twice, but Richard Todd went to the AFC Championship in 1982. And in 81, the team was really, really good. In fact, that year, Todd had the best year of his career and a better year than any year that Sanchez ever had. So to me, if you're going to rank them both, they've got to be on the same level. They're right at that same spot. I don't see ranking one of them super low and one of them in the middle of the pack, but I get where you're coming from having either in the bottom or in the middle, but I feel like they've got to be ranked right on that same level, whether it's the bottom or the middle. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think I think Todd was one of those where think when I did that initial list, he was the last of the bottom, you know, like the... So like I had yeah, you know, I came up with like eleven guys who who were the worst, the eleven worst. And I think he was right there on, on the on the edge of that. So um yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um yeah, you know, again, I think we'll, we'll end up reviewing these at some point during the summer, but <laughs> usually how it goes. So um the, uh I think uh yeah, Richard Todd was was a probably slightly below average player. Uh, and Mark Sanchez was ultimately the same, and I think, uh, to be fair, too, with the Jets traded up for Mark Sanchez, so um, I think that, that you should take that I should take that into consideration as well. And um, neither guy was very good, but you know, I, I I think ultimately neither belongs in that worst tier, which is saying something. The Jets have had a lot of really bad top ten draft picks. Um, that even if you take Richard Todd out of there, I think those other ten guys were are basically locks. Now you're talking about some of those guys are, are weirder cases because in the sixties or whatever, um, guys who went on to only play in the CFL and never in the NFL. And, uh, it, it was a different animal back then in terms of the draft. Cause so some of these guys that I put in that list, if you'll read it and notice it, like they were drafted by the jets in the AFL and then went on to play for another team in the NFL, and never even played for the jets. So that makes it hard to rank those type of guys. Um, you kind of look at what they did in, in their other with their with the other team that they wound up playing for, but, but the draft obviously you know people will remember this back when there were two leagues. You know, the guy the guy basically just picked the league that he wanted to play in. So, um, so that that kind of made it hard to rank some of these guys, but um, but I think you know the the bottom line is the Jets have had a lot of really bad top ten picks, and they're picking in the top ten again. And, and Jamal Adams is a good top ten pick. What Leonard Williams is uh, all right, I guess. And uh you know, we'll see about Sam Darnold. So fourth time here in recent years that the Jets are picking in the top top ten, fourth time in the golden the top six. So uh we'll see how they do. Unless they trade down.
0: <laughs> this is true, which a lot of people would prefer that they do. I will say this, Daryl, it's interesting and anybody who hasn't looked at your breakdown. I'm not really trying to pick on Daryl. I'm just being the Jets fan that I am, and Daryl knows that this is all in good fun, and you should go and read the article right now because it's a really fascinating look through the Jets' history of first-round picks, and you can see if you agree or disagree with Daryl's rankings. But at the quarterback position, the Jets really haven't done that bad when you talk about first-round picks. I mean, Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame. Richard Todd wasn't anything great, but he wasn't terrible. He was a decent starting quarterback for a significant period of time. Mark Sanchez didn't turn out to be what they thought he would be, but he wasn't awful. He got them to the AFC Championship twice. Chad Pennington had a really good career. Ken O'Brien, I still think, is criminally underrated. And we don't know what to expect from Donald yet, but as far as first-round picks with quarterbacks, the Jets have had fairly decent luck.
1: Yeah. I mean, they did pick... Uh... You know, some let's just say some of their worst quarterback picks were in, not in the first round. Basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah,
0: more or less. Geno Smith, Kellen Clemens, Browning Nagel, guys like that were all second round. So
1: much better luck in the first round for sure. You know, which is which makes sense. I mean, um but you know, there's you know they're still looking for that that next franchise quarterback. Uh, but yeah, he, yeah. Let's see. So so Pennington was good. O'Brien was good. Todd Sanchez. uh Donald has been fine uh you know joe Namath obviously but yeah the second rounders are nagel and 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 geno smith and clemens and hackenberg how do we forget him um (laughs) a guy named al woodall uh i don't know i i don't know if he brings a bell to you but i've never heard of him um and uh i don't think the jets have ever drafted a quarterback in the third round um i'm looking at their all-time draft list here but uh yeah you know, i don't think they have i think that they have uh they picked quarterbacks in the first second and fourth rounds. I remember looking that up last year they never drafted a quarterback in the third round so they most of their luck has their their poor luck has been in terms of drafting a quarterback in in the uh, second round as as you mentioned
2: this is the overtime podcast network
0: they haven 't gotten that big time star that hall of fame guy since Namath. But they haven't done really bad. They've kind of been like the 8-8 eight and eight of quarterback drafters in the first round, if you think about it. No outright terrible busts, but no super big-time hits. You haven't seen them get any... Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, even Phillip Rivers, all-time great Hall of Fame types since it. So it's kind of a fascinating thing to pour over and see what the Jets have done in the first round, not just at quarterback, but at all the other positions. So again, if you haven't looked at that yet, go to NJ.com right now and check out Daryl's rankings of the first round picks, and then go ahead and bother him on Twitter if you disagree with him on it. <laughs> I know you love plenty, that, right? Daryl, you love it when people bother you on Twitter about that plenty stuff. Plenty
1: of people have already. <laughs> <laughs> I have a strong capacity for uh, ignoring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that mute button comes in handy sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> Either way, you should definitely go ahead and read it and read all the great stuff that Daryl and Matt Stipulkowski have up over at NJ.com. Daryl, as always, thanks so much for coming on. Besides this article that I've been talking about with you for the last 10 minutes or so, what else do you and Matt have up right now at NJ.com?
1: Yeah, a couple things. are Today, Matt has a rundown of what the Jets have to do to become a Super Bowl team next year, and there's certainly a lot, a lot of it has to do with luck and uh, a lot of it has to do with players uh taking huge leaps like Sam Darnold. But you know, um what do they have to do? What to be to be in the Super Bowl in terms of moves they have to make or whatever. But uh that's something interesting if you want to take a look at that. And then uh did a little overall NFL outlook of um this big spending and free agency payoff. Took a look at all of the teams uh the teams who spent the most and the least amount of guaranteed money in free agency last year so based on the spot track numbers of uh, going from 32 to one the teams that spent the least to the most amount of guaranteed money in free agency in 2018 and how did they wind up doing in terms of their record in terms of how far they got in the playoffs and um i don't think you know Jets fans need, <laughs> need me or you to tell them tell them this but i think the jets were uh they were second uh, in terms of the, the amount of guaranteed money they gave out in free agency last year. So it, it obviously did not pay off for them. But there are a couple of other teams up there in the top top six, top ten, that spent big in free agency and were able to uh, to go a little bit farther. Um, so there's a the full rundown up there. It's a, so it just goes to show you that spending big in free agency does not always equate to, to immediate success. Uh, and the Jets certainly, with the $102 million in guarantees they gave out in, in 2018, were or Exhibit A of that. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and check that out. Appreciate everyone reading. Appreciate you having me on as always.
0: Daryl, have you ever seen the movie Celtic Pride?
1: Oh, God, it's been years.
0: (laughs) You remember what their strategy was for making the Celtics a winner?
1: No, man, I I, I can't believe you remember what this (laughs) was.
0: The strategy was kidnapping the best player on the opposing team, and I think if the Jets want to win the Super Bowl, that their best strategy would be having somebody kidnap Uh, Tom Brady. (laughs) Is this uh,
1: yeah, really is that uh, Whoopi Goldberg? Celtic Pride is it? Was she in that or
0: no? That was Eddie. You're thinking of Celtic Pride was the movie with. Ackroyd and Daniel Stern where they kidnap Damon Waynes, who plays a star basketball player yes. on the Utah Jazz right. who are playing the Boston Celtics so I think if the Jets want to win the Super Bowl they need to do something similar with Tom Brady so let's do that let's tell everybody on the Jets to watch Celtic Pride on Netflix and then figure out a way to make that happen so they can win the division next year
1: seems like a sound strategy
0: it's about the best strategy they got unfortunately because as we head into this weekend the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl again it seems like every year whoever plays in the AFC it's just a contest to see who plays the Patriots for the right to go to the Super Bowl every year we'll see what happens this year but I'm sure many Jets fans in fact if not many all will be rooting hard against the Patriots and for the Los Angeles Rams this Sunday Daryl thanks so much for coming on we'll talk again not next week because you'll be on vacation I'll talk to Matt Stipulkowski your partner next week instead but you'll be back in two weeks so we'll talk then have a fun trip I hope that I get some good pictures from you and also a nice little story about what went on down there looking forward to some details in the meantime make sure you read Matt and Daryl over at nj.com and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts you know where to go that's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com